We are Trekking Light, lowly iPod and Serenity of Time. Your enthusiasm and passion on Star Trek will be added to our own. Resistance is futile. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Trekmate Podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain, enlighten, educate, and talk all things Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack all hands battle stations. Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How much do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Welcome to Trekmates. I am Emma Whitaker, and today I am joined by a wonderful co-host, Laura Fawcett. Hello. <laughs> and <laughs> our guest today is Buddy Summers. Hi. <laughs> and as you can tell, this is not your normal... I'm not Wayne Emery, is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> I'm not Wayne Emery. And if I am Wayne Emery, there's been a little bit of a mix-up there. But, uh, oh, I don't know. We've got some, some, some kind of transporter issue has happened, and Wayne has turned into me. So... <laughs> As you will know, um, we are doing a little April Fool on all of you guys, you know, because we're funny like that. So previously in the Alpha Quadrant, Emma is now Trekmate main show, Emma, and you should go and download all the other shows in the Trekmate family network, such as The Holodeck, Ted Forwards, Trek Babble, The Delta Quadrant, The Wilderness, The Lutrek Show, and you should all download them and see who's hosting one of those shows, because it could be very funny. Welcome to the show, everybody. How are we all today? It's just the snow. It's just cold. Yeah. It's just cold. Yeah. It's just all snow. <laughs> I was saying that that up here it's re- it's so cold. I've got my dress on, my leggings, my tights, and then I've got my onesie on top, and <laughs> my dressing gown, and my dressing gown, all in one go. And I I was saying to to Laura earlier that I was like, oh, I'm just gonna you know nip to the toilet. So got to the toilet and I was like, right, do you know what? There's many layers that have to come off now. <laughs> Not just as easy as I once thought. <laughs> Don't think spring is happening anytime soon. <laughs> maybe that got lost in the Delta Quadrant, seriously. Oh, yeah, maybe it did. We should now move on to the news. So now it's time for this. Now it's time for Star Trek News. Brought to you by TrekMateFamily.com TrekMateFamily.com Bringing you the latest Trek news as and when it happens. So, the only bit of news that is Star Trek related that I can comment on was the new trailer for the Into Darkness film. So, have we seen that, ladies? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the topic of the week, (laughs) though. Well, I've seen, I've seen the other one. I've seen that, you know, the. When did this come out? Did it come out literally today? No, it was like a couple of days ago. Really? Yeah. Well, I saw the other one. 
This, this is like, I don't know, the one where more stuff explodes. <laughs> I, saw like, I saw the first trailer and I've just been avoiding all the other trailers. Uh, I think, no. I think if you end up putting all the trailers together so far, you probably would have the film. <laughs> and, the, and the first nine minutes, you know. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then the first half hour, did they did they not do the first half hour or something? Recently. So you may as well just release the film. If you're going to start doing silly things like that, just release the actual film. Well, we're going to get it before the Americans, so I thought I'd just slip that in there. <laughs> Matt Hansen will be, well, he'll be the angriest man alive. <laughs> so are you guys going to go and see it the day it comes out? Uh, yeah, <laughs> only to only to annoy everybody else. <laughs> True. What about you, Bunny? Um, I don't know yet, really. Oh. I don't know where I'll be, like living-wise, because I'm moving house at some point. When and I just, I don't know. This is a very new track. It's not the track that I know, so well, I will that's see. That's my it. problem. Yeah, that's my problem. I'm. I, I wasn't very happy with 2009 I thought oh yeah it's, it's all right for what it is but it, again it's going back to what um to the original really to all those characters I mean they 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 could they have free reign they could have done anything they like after Voyager like you know not obviously made the same mistake as <coughs> Enterprise uh, but <laughs> oh that yeah, is that's nice. harsh <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> But that's yeah. What about you, Bunny? What do you think of the new the new Star Trek film? I like it, but I don't like it at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'll happily watch it when it's on. Mm. Um, I still don't own it on DVD because I've just seen it too many times generally. Mm. And but the more I watch it, the more I think, uh, don't know. It's it's yeah. kind of it's a good film. And it, obviously they put so much in it for, like, TOS. And just to have the fact that Zach Quinto was cast, like, by, like, Leonard Nimoy pretty much as well as whoever was casting for the film. It's brilliant character-wise and everything. But just, I don't know, what with that one follow followed by um, Into Darkness, it's just... I think someone said it the other day. I think it's Star Trek for the masses. Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. They've, like, tried to put enough in... The new films, like the sounds, the nods, the the names, yeah. to try and keep everyone happy. Well, but I'm it, maybe maybe it's kind of I don't know. Maybe old school trackies won't enjoy it as much. It's trying to bring in new audiences to Star Trek, isn't it? It's trying to get the people of of today who like all those you know action movies that you know. Um, uh, CGI stuff, all of the really cool stuff. They've packed it all in there and they've tried to revamp it for um, a newer audience. So I, that... I, I think that it, I think that it works because you know when Paul and and myself went to see the film, um, <laughs> it was it was funny because I really I really enjoyed it. I really liked it, and having known nothing about Star Trek, nothing about anything, I enjoyed it in a different way that that Paul did. I think. He enjoyed it more because it was, you know, like you were saying, Bunny, the kind of nods were in place and some things that they said were, you know, references to, you know, the original series. But I just liked it because they all looked pretty good and there were <laughs> explosions and it was quite funny. <laughs> I have to say, Simon Pegg is amazing in it yeah. and Zachary Crypto. I mean, they are amazing. I mean... To be fair to them, it, they are really good, and they, it, it's probably a lot of pressure for them 
to be portraying these kind of iconic characters that they know about because I know that for a fact that Simon Pegg is a very big Star Trek fan because he tweets about it quite a lot. <laughs> he was like a kid in a candy store. He was kind of like really excited that he get he got to play him. So I think it is a good movie, but it it's like I say, it goes back instead of forward. And I see Star Trek as looking to the future. The only the only thing I think I'm looking forward to in the new film is obviously Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I'm not really fan of Benedict Cumberbatch. I think I'm like the only person that doesn't really like him. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I genuinely just don't get it. I it's, mean... Hmm. Have yeah. you seen Sherlock? No. I'm not even bothered by it. <laughs> see, once you see it, you'll be like, oh, I see. I don't know. I, 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 I watched him in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like that kind of stuff. But again, he was just a bit meh. Bothered. Yeah, I think that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't... I've seen him in a couple of other films and I'm a bit... Yeah, I'm a bit like that. I'm a bit like, meh, whatever. But... Him as I think I think it was just him as Sherlock. Uh, yeah, that was maybe the, the the tipping point. And then obviously when it became into Star Trek, I was like, this is brilliant. I'm happy. Paul's happy. I'm looking at Benedict. He's seeing things blowing up, space people going all over the place. Great, fantastic, all happy, happy couple. <laughs> <laughs> Great, day, mate. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's very happy that you're looking at Benedict. Uh, you know, I've told him if Benedict Cumberbatch comes to the door, house, <laughs> knocks on my door and says, you know. Do you want to go out? I just feel like Paul. I'm sorry. Have, have dog. Have my clothes. Do you know what? Just have whatever's in this house. I'm off. <laughs> oh, is he one? Oh, have you got that that pact going on? That's it. You know, I've never asked to. You know, has to knock at the door for him to disappear. But um, <laughs> I think he's just safe in the knowledge that it's never going to happen. <laughs> so, any other Star Trek news? You know the um, the Earth Hour in London when all the lights go off yesterday. Oh yeah. Yeah. You sound too excited by Trek News. <laughs> like, yeah, people turn their lights off. Great. <laughs> did you not see the Trek logo they did? I did, yeah. I saw. I did see a photograph on it. Of it yeah. Oh, why am I behind? Oh, I know why I'm behind. Sorry. Yeah. Yesterday was a mad day. Yeah, I was in a, I was in a freezing cold, massive church all day. <laughs> singing. Oh, so you just missed a day. <laughs> yes. That's why I don't know. I might have to look it up right now. So apart from that, there's probably no Star Trek. There's never any Star Trek news, really. Unless it's like, you know, at least of a new trailer. Yeah, it's just all trailers. (laughs) Oh, here, have a trailer that someone's re-put together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Like the pictures of Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) This one's the trailer, but it's backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now it's time for this. And now it's time for the topic of the week on the Tripmate Podcast. So this week, what is our topic of the week this week, Laura? Voyager! Yay! The show is set on the other side of the Milky Way galaxy, 75,000 light years from Earth, um, during the 24th century. Follows the adventures of the Starfleet vessel USS Voyager, which becomes stranded in the Delta Quadrant while pursuing the renegade Marquis ship. Both ships crews merged aboard Voyager to take the estimated 75-year journey home. Um, and the first episode was on January 16th, 1995, and the final episode uh, was May 23rd, 2001. We could mention that it was that 
it was the first female captain and the only female captain. Bunny, what are your general thoughts on Voyager as a series? I, I quite like See? Voyager. But it's... Mm. It, I kind of treat Voyager as a bit of fun as opposed to a decent, serious Trek series like DS9. <laughs> I mean, it is... I do love the fact um, that they had the first female captain because uh, I do like Janeway quite a bit. Um, Laura, what do you think of the Voyager in general? Voyager is my favourite series um, it, because I just think that the just the concept of it, the ship being stranded, it's all about them as a family taking this journey and obviously the first and only female captain ever and she's brilliant. Seeing different, um, completely different species found like species 8472 and the Kazon and all of these different species that they get to interact with I think yeah I think I get what Bunny means by it's fun because basically they get to reinvent new species each week um, but also they have really cool adventures and Janeway up against the Borg is just just brilliant. Voyager as a series is it's well-rounded it's got all the little bits in it it's got bits of relationships it's got bits of friendship and it's got bits of you know raw action okay so as guests of the main show this week um, i asked you guys to pick one of your best and one of your worst voyager episodes and um i thought we'd have a little chat about them together and discuss our feelings on them so <laughs> laura would you like to go first with your worst voyager episode okay well my worst is the shoot which is um Season three, episode three. Um, it's <laughs> it's about <laughs> um, Tom and Harry are in kind of like a prison, <clears throat> and there's um, this shoot that Harry comes down at the beginning, and and people are like trying to kill him and stuff, and it's all a bit it's all a bit bad. <laughs> and, um, they find out that they've been arrested. Because of um, they were found um, to be involved with the bombing of a planet or something. They're in there. They're slowly going mad because they've got this weird chip like in them that's making them crazy. Um, Tom gets hurt. I know you can tell I hate this. Episode. It's all very passionate. <laughs> very, about. very descriptive. Um, um, so they're in this place and it's all it's all horrible and and Harry's Harry's. Um, trying to get out through the chute and he finds a way um, of like disconnecting the there's um, there's like a force field on it um, so that you can't go up it obviously but he disables it and then goes up and they find out that they're on a ship and then basically Janeway has to kind of try diplomacy and she kind of just goes in there and takes them basically instead of Diplomacy. It's rubbish. I hate this episode. That's why I'm not talking about it very what, well. What is it that you hate about the episode? Oh, it's just, it's hard to watch. And I, I was, I, it's one of the only, epi- it's one of the few episodes that I was literally bored. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I've seen enough of Tom and Harry slowly going mad. And yeah, they're in a prison. Okay. But it doesn't really explain why they, it says that they were, they were near a bombing on a planet or they they said that they were the only cool <laughs> bit i know the only cool bit of this is when jay is when the shoot opens and this shoot is like 
the prisoners get food chucked down it and stuff and it opens and they think that it's food and Janeway just like comes tumbling out with a massive phaser rifle and um and two volt behind her and she's she somehow gracefully like and lands on her feet and then it's like really cool pose and that's about it really <laughs> that's the only entertainment <laughs> I remember I, I watched the beginning of it um, earlier on and um, I was watching it with Paul and, you know, they're just, you know, they're in this prison or wherever they are. And I'm watching it and I'm like, am I meant to know how they got, is there, you know, was there an episode before this that explains what's going on here or am I just to accept that that has just happened? Nope. And he's just like, yeah, you just to accept that that's yeah. just happened. I was like, okay, brilliant. Good to know. <laughs> it does explain it in the episode. <laughs> it does, it does, it does. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when it kind of starts and you think... You know, they, they kind of knew why each other were there, and I'm, I was just like, but, but am I meant to know? You know, had I missed something maybe earlier? Did I need to know something? I know it does, but it it kind of, it, it there's no, it, it explains that they were on this planet on an away mission, and then a bombing happened, but it, but they don't really remember, do they, from, like, what happened next? And there was no... What did you think, Bunny, what did you think about this episode? I didn't think it was a bad episode. That's the the short end of my thing. Yeah, okay, so it's about Tom and Harry, but I thought it was quite good that you actually got to see them go through something as opposed to, ah, Captain Proton on the holodeck. Um, Because they've always, like, said they've got, like, a really strong friendship and, and, you know, you see the fun side of it, but you never see, like, the grittier side of it, of where they've actually been through trauma together it is a hard to watch episode if you don't if if you want action stuff because i watched it and i was like this is really different this is not really a voyager episode i sat there watching it because i watch ds9 and a lot of ds9 is not in any way light-hearted and fun to watch um, so maybe that's why I didn't dislike it as much as Laura did. Um, I found myself watching Janeway actually a lot in this whenever her scenes were um, came around because Janeway, okay, first of all, she's sporting another hairstyle, which I'm sure Kate was very appreciative of at that point because Kate loved having them play with her hair. I was sat watching this thinking, could I imagine season seven Janeway doing exactly this? And actually I could. It was actually really good. Like, I actually found myself right at the end rooting for Janeway because they suddenly remembered they had Neelix's ship in, like, one of the docking bays somewhere and they actually used it. Like, they didn't just forget they had another random ship that, like, wasn't Federation. They thought, hang on a minute, we'll use Neelix's ship. Neelix driving the ship was a bit extreme at that point and I was... (laughs) (laughs) Of all things you see Neelix do, I don't think you expect to see him driving a ship. (laughs) I think the episode, the episode was okay. I just found, I thought, I agree with Laura, I thought it was boring. Like it just, and, and I, I agree with you as well, Bunny, that it wasn't like the action kind of thing. It was a bit, it was a lot more story and it was a lot more, you know, stuff like that. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a, an action episode, which I think I quite like a little bit more than a boring, a boring episode. <laughs> okay, so we're one worst down. So to cheer us up a little bit... <laughs> Laura, could you tell us which you picked as your um, best episode? Um, okay, I picked Shattered, Season 7, Episode 11, which is where, um, this is really cool, um, there's a there's an accident, a chronokinetic surge which hit the ship, which then split it, basically. And Chakotay's, like, in the middle of it, so he was in engineering when it happened, 
and you see him lying on the floor and his face basically glowing and it looks really weird. <laughs> um, and then he wakes up in sick bay and um, the doctor says, um, it's all right, I've, um, I've corrected the problem. I, I used a, um, your, half, half of your body was in temporal flux with the other and I used a serum that I created to stop it. And the doctor says, well, how can I come with you? Um, I can't go anywhere. And he says, what about your mobile emitter? And the doctor says, my what? Gets to the bridge and Janeway's there and Janeway doesn't know who he is. And he's like, Catherine. And she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know we were on a first name basis. Uh-huh. And uh, like she says, put him in the brig yeah, because yeah. she thinks that they're still in the alpha quadrant. So now he's kind of, now you're trying to, you see, you, you see that um, there's different time periods going on. He figures out that it was the serum that the doctor gave him that's going to help him with the rest of the ship. So it's all about Chakotay as well. I like I like when Chakotay like, has an episode, and it, he rarely does. Um, oh, he has too many boring episodes, but this is actually a good Chakotay one. Yeah, this is a really <laughs> exciting one. Yeah, so um, then he so he goes to Janeway, and obviously she's like, how did you get out of the brig? Like, what are you doing? Um, she doesn't know what's happening. Um, and then he... he takes a he takes her hostage which i think was i couldn't help but laugh at her face <laughs> when he took, when he took her hostage she was like what are you doing um he passes through the temple field and the um and then she's like has to believe him um so it was basically after this they have to go to each part of the ship yeah. and they have to inject this serum into the neural gel packs so that the ship can basically be put back together in the right time frame. Now, this is really cool. I thought, what a way to use the, the, the gel packs. I mean, we hear about them all the time in Voyager. And, like, it's supposed to connect the ship together like a neural net. Astrometrics is, like, way in the future. And you see this grown-up Naomi Wildman and Echev. They go to engineering and Seska's there, which is not good, with the Kazon. Um, cargo Bay is when um, they had the Borg Alliance where they got when Seven of Nine came aboard when she was originally a Borg. Along the way, they find like they find that <laughs> that, that um, macrovirus from um, Macrocosm, and she's like, "Oh my God, what's that?" Oh, and she gets all she gets all freaked out by the fact that all these things happen to her ship, and she's um. She she gets a bit well. She gets a bit Janeway to be honest. She gets like, well, why why does it have to happen, or why does it have to happen to me, or it's not shaping up the way that I thought it was going to be. And holodeck is set on the Captain Proton um, program, and she has to be Queen Arachnia again. She doesn't know what's what's happening, and Chakotay is there telling her that she has to be this Queen Arachnia that she was, and it's. Oh, so funny. I was just laughing my head off. She's like, um, yes. And the way she says my liege, I just always, always laugh. She pulls that off really well. It's really funny. Um, they're suddenly in the corridor again. And she's like, just will you remind me when we're back into my time that Mr. Paris's holiday privileges are taken away, please? Because um, she doesn't really like it very much, <laughs> which is really funny. Basically, in the end, they've got all the gel packs apart from one. They need to get to engineering. And then all the action happens, basically, all in one minute. Everybody from all the different time periods come. Um, Seska takes um, Janeway hostage. And then Seven of Nine, as, as her Borg self, um, 
before she she um became part of the crew she walked through the door and was just like um i'll take that just walks straight up to her and just starts choking her i thought that was excellent seven of nine choking seska like that it's like yeah um and then all is happy all is good everybody's going back to their time period so that chakotay can fix it and she says to him i there's just one thing i want to know um you and i do we become more than friends and he says well let's just say there are some barriers that we don't cross and i'm like no because i'm a jc fan <laughs> i was like no oh, tell us something have a quick kiss why not um but no <laughs> i was like go on oh. there's a little quirky bit at the end where um she says um oh chicote says that he hides his alcohol stash in the cargo bay and she says yes i know about that and he says why and she says temporal prime directive can't tell you <laughs> I love that bit at the end. <laughs> no, I I really like that episode. I thought it was really good. I think it's the only um, Star Trek episode I've probably seen more than once. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, that that says something, especially for me. That says something. And yeah. I, you know, I got halfway through it, and I was like, oh, I, no, I definitely have seen this one before. Um, it was a really good, really interesting story. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. Bunny, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I've seen that episode so many times. It's ridiculous, probably. Um, I really love it. It's actually one of the few episodes where Chakotay's really good and saves the day, and it's all down to Chakotay. And let's face it, episodes like The Fight is just... Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Having Chakotay in an episode where he's, like, key is normally not great. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I love the little things about it. They get to, they get to bring people back. I mean, it's the only time... What, it's the yeah. only time you get to see Martha Hackett as Seska back um, yeah. well, when, since Jerry Ryan came aboard. Um, I don't know how Jerry felt about getting back into a Borg makeup, though, because... I'd have been a bit hacked off. I'd be like, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that each other and Omi Wildman are still on board. They're just never going to leave, are they? They're going to die on that <laughs> ship, basically. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like seeing them all, um, older as well. I thought it was quite a good touch. Right, OK, so... Um, Bunny, we'll move on to you. We'll move on to your choices. So what was your choice of worst episode? My choice of worst episode was Threshold. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about why you hate it. I don't hate it. I really dislike it. Um, I don't know of anyone that genuinely likes it and (laughs) considers it a serious Star Trek Voyager episode. I mean... Right, so basically the premise of Threshold is um, a specifically outfitted warp-capable shuttle piloted by Tom Paris successfully reaches Warp 10, breaking the transwarp barrier. Um, but the side effects of breaking the barrier may cost the crew of Voyager their best helmsman, as uh, Memory Alpha puts it, which is in a nutshell really what happens. Um, it's a terrible, terrible episode on so many levels. I made extensive notes. Mm-hmm. I'll save you a lot of them. But let's let's just go through them a little bit, shall we? Right. So basically, the whole the whole premise of the episode is just Tom Paris, <laughs> being the pilot he is, wants to do something amazing, and you know, reach Warp Ten because apparently no one's ever done that before. Okay. Side note: Yes, people have done that before in other series. Um, 
it's actually quoted saying, yep, they've gone to warp 10, warp 11, and I think in the original series episode, they went to warp 13. I mean, come on. I know there's continuity issues with Voyager, but seriously, continuity issues within the whole of Trek, and they screw up warp. What? <laughs> oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. So, Tom Harris successfully gets to, to warp 10 after having done successful trials in the holodeck okay first of all he was doing a trial for warp 10 in the holodeck and it failed miserably the first time we sort of watched the episode if he'd have had the safeties off would he have exploded the whole ship when the shuttle exploded god god only knows (laughs) actually god only knows (laughs) um because yeah there's that issue for one Uh, luckily the safeties were on and no one was hurt so they go ahead and do this actual warp 10 and paris paris succeeds in in that and then he gets taken ill in the mess hall and is taken to sick bay, where he suddenly becomes allergic to water. Uh, <laughs> <hang> on, what? <laughs> when they broke that one out, I'm like, are, are you serious? Are you actually telling me this is what he's allergic to? It's actually water? I, there, I, there are no <laughs> oh, words dear. for that, really, let's be honest. Oh, dear God. So, yeah, so then blah, 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 he dies. Obviously, okay, Tom Paris is lost. He's he's done something amazing and reached Warp 10 that apparently no one ever has done. Gloss over all of the other Star Treks that have done that. Um, and then he dies. Oh, well, bad luck. Bye, Tom. Oh, no, wait, he's alive again. There. Yeah, it should have just ended there. Yeah. Like he did. Okay, never mind, the end. That would have been a brilliant episode, seriously. <laughs> but no, it decided to continue. But not just normally back. He's back with two hearts. I'm like, what is this, Doctor Who? Seriously. <laughs> no one needs this. Why has he got two hearts? There's no there's no explanation at all, pretty much. So it turns out Tom Paris is mutating. Um, what with his multiple organs and stuff, Paris attacks Janeway, um, takes him with her, and escapes from Voyager to a nearby planet. <laughs> Brilliant. Crew of Voyager, led by Chakotay and Tuvok, <laughs> should track down Tom Paris and Janeway. Lizard or something, or some kind of amphibian like that giant Tom ones. Paris is, and Janeway has they changed do. into. But they have babies. <laughs> there is. They've been gone about three days. Oh. It takes Voyager three days to track them down, yet for some reason mm-hmm. they've managed to get to where they're going and have babies and... Janeway has managed to yeah. catch up Tom Paris in the mutation. <laughs> what is that even? It just, oh. oh my god. Oh dear god. Yeah. So, oh, let's also overlook the fact that once they find the shuttle that Tom has left in, he's somehow managed to scan the entire region upon the escape. Yet, apparently, they don't know, like, a few episodes down the line, they're going to encounter Vidians and Kazon and everything. And, like, apparently Tom had scanned that entire sector. So, clearly, they just didn't bother to go through all the information. Um, But I just... Wow. I... This episode, seriously. There aren't many... There aren't many good things I can say about it, to be honest with you, apart from Robbie... Duncan McNeil's acting I mean he tries and he's mm-hmm. actually in the shoot he did quite well as well I think he's really good at trying to just <laughs> act with what they've given him 
that's that's the best thing I can say about this. I thought that the whole thing was it was just so surreal. It was like really surreal when I was watching it. I'm just going, is this actually what's happening? Is this seriously what's happening? He's just like kind of turning into some kind of fish-like thing, and now he's turned into a lizard. Brilliant. Okay, yep, Janeway's, yep, she's gone too. They've had babies. Okay, great. Lizard babies, <laughs> brilliant. What's next? Okay, they're back on the ship, and it's just like nothing happened. <laughs> apart, from the, apart from the awkwardness between them in sickbay. Yeah, I know, yeah. It's, oh, it's just, I mean, no. And then they conclude that it's some sort of the next step of human evolution. I'm like, no, mm. no, no. Oh dear God! Yeah, it's just it's a very strange episode. I don't know. I would rather they just didn't make an episode and just had like a week's break. Yeah, because even the writers hated it. It's like, why did you write it? Then? <laughs> yeah. Why did you waste everyone's time? You you wasted your time writing yeah. it, their cast time acting it, and our time watching yeah. it. <laughs> it's just bizarre. no wins. What did you think, Laura? What did you think about that one? Well, when I first watched it, um, I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but now I think it's ridiculous um, and I think the whole babies thing is just weird I think that was unnecessary yeah I think that's definitely a definitely a, a, a fail in the um, in the Voyager in the Voyager series episodes that, that, that just should have just been that should have just been put in a vault and just locked somewhere never to be seen Bunny, what was your choice of your best episode? I chose Workforce, which is kind of a little bit cheeky because it's a two-part. Okay. Well, we allowed that. We allowed that. <laughs> and I just thought it was a really different episode. <laughs> so, Chakotay and Harry are on an away mission. I have no idea why they even took Neelix with them, let's be honest. What was that about? Um, but yeah, they're on a away mission. They come back to rendezvous with Voyager and find that the Doctor is the only being left aboard. And he's all like, Emergency Command Hologram, blah, 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 blah. Um, and they're like, what's going on? And the Doctor explains that the crew are basically kidnapped and Voyager keeps being attacked and help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they basically work out that they need to get the crew back. They go and track down the crew and find that they have no memory of their previous lives or what they were doing beforehand. And it's down to Chakotay to save the day. It's another Chakotay saves the day episode. They're sort of administering a neural suppressant so that everyone forgets who they are, so they just work for them because um, workers are in such a shortage. And that, um... Yeah, so Chakotay and he looks on the planet and they decided that the best way to proceed is to try and get a member of the crew to take back to Voyager so that they can assess the damage and try and convince them that they're part of this Voyager crew that's trying to get home and everything. So he, they managed to, I say, abduct from the planet, well, take her back with them. Um, he managed to get Blana back aboard the ship and the Doctor manages to sort of sort out her memories and make her realise that she is Blana and she does... She is part of the crew of Voyager, and they are trying to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. And in the end, um, they managed to get all the crew back aboard Voyager. Um, and that is essentially Workforce. Yeah, what did you think of the episode, Laura? Um, I love these episodes. Um, yeah, if I had to choose another favourite, these would be it, because it is a good two-parter. My, my only problem is that it came... 
too late in the series. If it was, yes. if it was, um, yeah, if it was say in series six or something, we could probably see um, more of the impact of it um, towards the crew, especially towards Janeway, because she fell in love with this guy, um, albeit didn't do anything because he's a, um, he can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it happened too late. I think it's a really great episode because it's it kind of shocks you at the beginning because you you see them in a different in a different light you see them all with different lives and how they could have kind of lived if they weren't on Voyager and um, I mean obviously it focused on certain people like Janeway obviously and um, uh, Tom and you know, Tuvok kind of, um, it kind of wore off on him and he started to see things from Voyager, which was rather interesting to have, obviously because of his Vulcan physiology. Um, it kind of started to wear off on him, the drug, the thing that they did to him um, to change his, like, um, the memory engrams. Um, I thought it was really interesting to see another side of them don't you think it was kind of um, exciting? Yeah, to that's what I liked about it. I liked about the fact that yeah, you did see them in like a different life. And actually, you've just reminded me though. Actually, you said that. Um, you said about Tuvok's physiology. Where's Vorik in all of this? Because shouldn't there be the same problem with? Oh yeah. Because I've just realised that okay, it's fine to say that Tuvok's a bit mental. He's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tim Ross plays really Tuvok's mental. A bit mental. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's a really mental Tuvok. But if that is the case with Vulcans, then I'm just I'm sad actually that there wasn't a Vorik in it as well. Mm. <laughs> I think you've pretty much said, Laura, everything that I was thinking beforehand, how it's come too late in the series. I yeah. think what they should have done is they should have swapped the shoot and this. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you would have had the pull about them the Voyager crew actually, you know, they had their nice, cosy life ready to settle down on this planet as a workforce. And there would have been sort of more of a, an emotional pull when they had to leave it because they were properly leaving something behind. And as a viewer, you wouldn't have gone, oh, yeah, the series is going to end in like four episodes time. It's fine. They'll, they'll, something will happen. Yeah. But if they just switched it and had the shoot happening nearer the end, you generally wouldn't have known if they were considering killing off Tom or Harry in the process. Yeah, that's true. I, quite, I agree with that. Yeah, it was it was a good sci-fi episode. Um, I think the fact it was in two parts as well was quite good. It's like they didn't rush a story, because you could imagine mm. sometimes, you know, that they, they have a really good idea, but then they, they just try and put too much into a short space of time. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it was good that they split it between, you know, the two, the two episodes. So, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that too, which is rare for me. But yeah, I did. Okay, right, so moving on to my choices. So, my choice of worst episode, Spirit Folk. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know that one person here does enjoy. So this will be interesting. (laughs) But yeah, Spirit Folk, I'm not liking it. I didn't like Fairhaven either. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I know... It, oh, it, this episode annoyed me because um, I don't think I'd seen this one. I don't think I'd seen Fairhaven before this one. I think I'd just seen this one on its own. And what really annoyed me about it is that it's this holodeck program 
um, city, town or whatever, where the people are just, you know, walking about and Tom has left the programme on to run whilst people are not in it so that they all they all live, they all have their own community there. And they, they witness, you know, Tom and Harry Kim playing tricks on each other in the holodeck, like turning people into cows, for example. Hilarious, right? You know what I mean? Let's just turn someone into a cow. And and then some people see this and they freak out. They're like, wait, wait a minute. You know, this is magic. This can't be happening. They can't can't be turning people into cows. And the first thing I'm thinking is, but it's but you're in a holodeck. You're you're not you're not a real person. This shouldn't this shouldn't bother you. You shouldn't be thinking about things like this because you know you just turn it off and then away you go. But no, apparently not. You know, these people have thoughts and lives and all this all this going on and it all becomes a great big issue and one gets transported back to this ship and then sees everybody in this ship honestly I just I just I just didn't understand it I just thought it was ridiculous it was a bit like an episode of Enterprise that we reviewed recently and I, I don't remember the name of it surprisingly enough but they go, <laughs> they go down to another you know to another planet or whatever where they're not as advanced as knowing that there's you know the Enterprise and stuff and they, they can't say that they're from a a spaceship and this causes loads of problems because you have to make up loads of lies about who they are and all the way through it as well as this one I'm just like just just tell them just tell them what the deal is here just say look it's a hologram this is what it is you know you're in a holodeck etc etc instead of having to go through this whole long-winded story about why you're turning people into cows <laughs> I'm just what, what do you guys think about this one I get why I get I get it that a lot of people don't like the Fairhaven thing because it was kind of um, it was just kind of one of those holodeck programs that kind of spun out of control and probably had too many episodes. It had one more episode than it needed. I suppose. It, it was kind of a it was kind of where the holodeck goes wrong because they've messed with it so much in the years that they that they've had it on etc and it was kind of like they had to fix a problem that was in there because they started the, the holodeck the character started to perceive um things that were happening because i think there was a malfunction <laughs> janeway decides that um you're talking about uh, michael sullivan goes onto the ship doesn't he with the mobile admitter because they, yeah. she decides that basically the only way that they're going to um, make these holodeck characters see, well, the truth and see sense in a way is to show them Voyager. And, yeah, that's that's a bit ridiculous because uh, that would just be stupid. Um, but I think it was I think it was all right because it, it, it meant that Janeway could... <laughs> Janeway could kind of tell her hologram boyfriend basically who she really was. It's what I call a social um, episode where they they just want friends and they want friends other than the people who are on the ship. Because if you think about it, uh, that that number of people every day for those many years, you get a bit annoyed and you get a bit like yeah. heaved off with them. <laughs> you get a bit stressed I, with them. I agree with that, but I just think that you know they could have just told them. You know, obviously it wouldn't have made an episode because it would have been about ten minutes long. But like, they could have just they could have just said from the from the get go, look, we're letting you live here just to let you know you're not real, but I'd like you to be my friend. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, yeah, but you know, yeah. I just thought, oh, it just went on, and it was just 
Dra- oh, oh my god, no. It's not meant to be funny. You know, like, it is meant to be funny, but you're like, but don't turn it into, like, some really shitty comedy. <laughs> like, some of yeah, you're going to find on these, like, channels that are so, you know, high up in the virgin television box that, you know, nobody ever watches them. Don't make it that kind of programme. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Bunny, what did you think? Um, I don't dislike this episode as much as... Emma, clearly. <laughs> um, I, I kind of, I'm a shallow creature. Sometimes you need a break from from what's going on and the journey and the seriousness of everything. I like holodeck mm-hmm. episodes because I like to see the actors do different yeah. things. I like to see something different on my screen as opposed to the ship. Oh, they've met an alien race. Fight, fight, fight. The ship goes on its way kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, this, it's ridiculous, but... I just sort of go, yeah, I'll watch it as part of Fairhaven, and then that's it, yeah. really. I do like episodes like that, like, that, that have a break from the, you know, the kind of serious storylines. I do like the ones that are, are more fun, but this one just, to me, it just annoyed me. It was just that one point that annoyed me, and then that just ruined the whole thing for me. I was like, just, you just tell them. And, you know, they just, you turn somebody into a cow. You can't really go back from that, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. So that was my worst episode. Now, the one that I thought, at the moment, because I've not, you know, I've not seen all Voyager, so there could be other some other gems in there. The one that I currently am very much enjoying, and I've watched a few times, is someone to watch over me. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Maybe I just have to be in a really soppy mood to watch it. <laughs> I love the whole story about Seven of Nine trying to get a date. I think it was so funny because she just has no airs and graces about herself. She's just all out there with her you know she's just she's just so in your face and she doesn't understand the social cues and and I think the bit the best bit overall is just the doctor and the more I watch it the more I see different parts of him in the different situations you know just getting more drawn to her and then oh it's just oh it's just, it's just so cute <laughs> Oh. It's just so cute. I really, really liked it. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, um, I, I think this is a really nice, quirky episode where she's trying to get in touch with her humanity more and the Doctor's trying to help her and you can see that he's falling for a bit. It's like, oh, And, you know, the captain's off the ship. I also think that it's really funny that um, Ambassador Tommen, isn't it? Ambassador Tommen um, is somebody who can't have, like, um, he can't have, like, exotic foods and stuff like that and when he's on Voyager he tastes all these things and he's quite a funny character because he gets a bit drunk it's really funny yeah that was really good I like um, that too yeah <laughs> seven of mine yeah oh, seven of mine <laughs> that's like the worst line ever you know you're just like oh come on <laughs> heard some um, I think, my goodness <laughs> um and I I like the scene in the car in the cargo bay um, where they sing, um, you are my sunshine, yeah. my only sunshine. And when he asks me, he's like, you've got, to put, you've got to put some kind of emotion into it. You can't just sing it. She's just like, you are my sunshine. <laughs> she raises that eyebrow. Yeah. My only sunshine. That is it. <laughs> and, then, and he gets all emotional about it. Yeah. And he moves the hand. Yeah. I'm doing the hand movement yeah. as, I, yeah. as I'm talking. <laughs> Oh, I know they're just, but they're just so cute, and I'm just like, oh, they have to get together. And I was like, Paul, Paul, please tell me, just tell me. Later in the series, they do, don't they? And he goes, nah, nah, she gets with Chakotay. I'm like, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, what, what, what was that? And he was, yeah, Chakoti. I'm like, no, no, I think you're mistaken. That can't happen. He's like, yeah, no, that happens. Oh, don't go there. Oh, don't go there. Oh, I, oh. So I've yet to witness any of that, but. <laughs> really? Oh, just you wait. Oh, that's just so. Oh, it doesn't happen till the end of season seven, by the way. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was very sad that that didn't happen, but, um, but I did like seeing all the way, you know, Seven was kind of getting taught how to, you know, dress nice and sit at a meal and, you know, and even if she doesn't drink, just to pretend that she does drink, you know, and, yeah. you know, and not say that you don't need food and, you know, and the way, when she had that, um, it was lobster, wasn't it? And she just, she <laughs> yeah. just looks at the doctor and the doctor just kind of gives her that nod as if to say, yeah, just, you know, go for it, do, do, yeah, do what you feel right. And she just snaps it. And all the bits kind of go everywhere. You're like, oh, God, that's embarrassing. There's <laughs> <laughs> one when she comments that this creature has an exoskeleton. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's great date chat. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, when when um, they're dancing and he break, and she breaks his arm. Yeah, yeah. With shoulder or something. And then the doctor's like, oh, no, I won't break. And then they have a nice dance together. I know. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when she was doing those kind of, you know, little dates in the holodeck you know the little kind of practice ones it was like yeah, yeah. it was like when you can imagine if you've ever been on a date that's gone or gone out with a you know for dinner with a friend it's gone terribly wrong and like someone's done something very embarrassing you know it's like one of those kind of things that you could relate to if you've ever been in that situation you know it's those kind of full path things that happen that you know food going everywhere or seeing the wrong thing breaking somebody's arm and getting them sent to the sick bay when you're dancing you know <laughs> standing on someone's feet when you're dancing that kind of thing yeah i really liked it what about you bunny did you like this episode um it's one of there's i've like um a few episodes that i call the jerry ryan show yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, i think it comprises of this one relativity infinite regress um body and soul and human error yeah and yeah it's just i mean someone talked to me is I find it really cringeworthy watching it. Like, it's just the fact that the Doctor's, like, beginning to realise that he likes her and she's completely oblivious because it's seven of nine and she's sort of learning all this stuff for the first time. And I don't know, it, it's a brilliant episode. I just find it really cringeworthy. Yeah. The whole seven of mine line and I thought the little kind of you know the sub story as well the ambassador coming over and like you were saying Laurie like you know having all that food and all that drink and Neelix being in charge of him I thought that was hilarious as well I thought that was brilliant because he was just yeah. freaking out all over the place he didn't know what to do and oh my <laughs> god it was just like it was like a whole nightmare unfolding in front of my eyes I was like oh no what are you gonna do <laughs> Janeway's gonna kick your ass she's gonna kick your ass oh yeah. <laughs> And the whole, oh, the nanoprobes yeah. came into it again. Yeah, I know we're talking about the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just shove some nanoprobes in there, I'll be fine. Oh, God. <laughs> Darn nanoprobes. Oh, God. If nanoprobes sober you up that quickly, I think I'll order some off eBay. <laughs> yeah, have some nanoprobes, <laughs> So, yeah, I really like that episode. I'm sure there are more, more, you know, episodes of Voyager that I've yet to see that I'm going to enjoy. Well done, guys, for being able to pick one that you hated and one that you liked, as difficult as I know it was for some of you. <laughs> you did a very, very good job. And I think out of all of them, my favourite one, for the, for all the wrong reasons, 
all the wrong reasons has to be um, Tom and Janeway having slug babies. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> that has to be, out of, out of them all, the good and the bad, that has to be the one that's stuck in my head. <laughs> so, yes, so Bunny, thank you very much for joining us to talk about Voyager no today. Can you tell us where people can find you if they want to find out more about you? All right, crazy, stalky people that want to find exactly. me. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, yeah, bunny underscore summers. That would be me on Twitter. So come and follow me. I'll talk about random Star Trek stuff. Mostly DS9, though. Or Nana Visitor. Or mm. Kira Narice or Trill. Or Nana Visitor. So be one. <laughs> I also have a blog, um, which is mostly an event blog. So if you want to go to events, conventions and find out what's going on where and where I'll be as well, which again is maybe a little bit strawberry. Um come and follow my blog, which is um funnysummers.wordpress.com. Um yeah and see what I get up to, who I meet and come join me in my convention quest. Fantastic. Right, thank you very much Bunny for joining us. It is now time for this. Now it's time for the music section, with none other than music maestro Matt Warwick on the Trek Week Show. We would like to welcome back for his usual spot on the Trek Week Show, Matt. Matt Warwick, the music man. The music Hi everyone. Oh, maestro, okay, thank you. And I also better tell everybody that we've been, you know, gatecrashed by the previously in the Alpha Quadrant hosts, Adam House and Paul Finch. Do you, do you not count as a host on the show, though, Emma? Me? Uh, I don't count myself as a host, no. You're on every episode. I am, I am on every episode, that's true. I, I, I think it's, you're part of the team. Mm. I'd say I'm an unofficial host. Well, thanks very much. Okay. Well, if you're, if you're, if you're gatecrashing this one, maybe she gatecrashes your show. That's what's happening. I like it. I like well, it. I, yeah, that's a good point, actually. But actually, <laughs> to, to be honest, she only, only started on the show because Paul couldn't be asked to read the quiz questions. <laughs> and I only became an internet sensation because I called to Paul Teeple. You did. And <laughs> after that, you hit you. The, the gay community loved you. <laughs> and we have me able to get rid of you. So, Matt, <laughs> we brought you on here not to talk about you know, Bad Smells at Linger, or previously in the Alpha Quadrant, we brought you on here to tell us a little bit about Voyager and the music of Voyager. Yes, right, we've got a couple of Voyager clips lined up today. Um, these are from the pilot episode. Now, there's not a lot of Voyager music that's actually been released, so there's a very limited choice I had. Um, there's this, there's Heroes and Demons, and there was Bride of Chaotica, and I did Bride of Chaotica a couple of weeks ago, so this was the choice I made. Um, these were written by Jay Chataway. Now, Jay Chataway did a lot of music for Voyager. He also did uh, Next Gen and DS9. He started Next Gen in Season 3, and he went all the way through to Enterprise, and the last episode he did was Terran, uh, Terra Prime in the fourth season of uh, Enterprise. So he was around for quite a while. He did 183 episode uh, scores altogether. Wowie. Uh, probably the best known uh, score he wrote was uh, the Inner Light from TNG. He wrote uh, the score to that, including Picard's flute uh, tune. So that's what a lot of people know him from. Oh, very interesting. 
Uh, right, so the first clip we've got today is from the start of the episode, from the beginning when the Maki ship is being chased uh, by the Cardassians into the Badlands. Uh, you'll recognise the beginning because it's where you know the text scrolls up at the front at the beginning of the episode. Um, there's not any reference to the Voyager theme in this, um, presumably because Voyager's not really involved in this part of the episode anyway. But if you have a listen to that, and then we'll see what you think after this. Mm-hmm. It's a pilot episode, and as as a big Voyager fan yourself, Emma, you'll know that Voyager is stuck in the Delta Quadrant, and this is about how it gets stuck in the Delta Quadrant, and it's about the marquee ship they're chasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. It does make Voyager sound way cooler than it is, so. Way what, sorry? Cooler than it actually was. I like Voyager, but that 
score sounds epic. Voyager wasn't epic. It had its great moments, but it wasn't. Is the thing that if you had judged Voyager by the tone of that music, mm-hmm. and if Voyager had met, met matched quality of that music throughout it, it would have been a great series. Matt, I listening to that. Obviously, I know it is from Voyager, but it sounds to me quite similar to the music they used in Stargate. Uh, yeah, I can see where you get that from. Um, it's a, quite a similar kind of style. But I mean, that's that illustrates some of the things I've been talking about generally in the past few weeks. Is a lot of the music from the later seasons of Next Gen and the early DS9 and the early Voyager is very generic and very difficult to tie it down. I mean, if you didn't know that was from an episode of Voyager, it could be from any one of, you know, 10 or 20 different DS9 or, or TNG episodes. Because there's no, like, recurring themes or anything that says this is Voyager. It's just like a piece of generic action music. That was very good. I, I liked it. I thought it, was, I thought it was really menacing. I really liked it, actually. That was good. It was a good. It was a good. It was a good tune. It sounded quite uh, militaristic. Yeah. They normally are yeah. though on the. I mean, if you look at the pilot episode, they normally have a bit more budget on it, don't they? Because mm. they're setting out. They're trying. To, they need to sell this new series, so they invest a bit more. Yeah. Well, I suppose using music like that, like you said, Adam, that if if the the tone had continued like that all the way through the series, and maybe it would have been good. But like you said, you know, they they pulled out all the <clears throat> all the good stuff at the beginning to get everybody into it and then just not really delivered. Cool. So, Matt, do you have anything else for us? Yes, we've got another piece from that episode. So, it's right at the end now. So, this is the bit where they're um, planning their journey home. And uh, it's a bit more emotional. And you'll you'll hear the, the Voyager theme in this. So, you'll know it's a Voyager clip when you hear it. But uh, let's have a listen to that one. This is another long one, Adam. So. <laughs> you may want to go to the toilet now if you need. Yeah, it's three right, minutes. Right, fine. I've got three minutes to spare. Okay. Is it loud enough? Can you hear it? I don't have my board already. Oh, God. I'm I'm joking, it's fine. (laughs) Yes, we can hear it.
Ooh, I liked that one. I like the ones that have always got the, the actual theme tune of the, the series in it. It's good. It's very, yeah, cool. very emotional. That sounds seems to me like the end music they play at the end of the episode when they're just talking to each other. Or when she's, I think I've got, I don't know why, but I got just a vision of Janeway talking to someone explaining why they're explorers or something like that. Well, it was the, uh, you know, where she's giving a speech at the end saying, oh, we're two crews working together and we're, we're setting a course for home. It was that bit. So. Ah. I was just, when I was listening to it, I was saying to Paul that it sounds like, um, you know, there's there's that little bit, there's that there's something in that piece of music where you can tell, like they're they're not gonna get home. <laughs> it's it's not gonna go well. <laughs> well, it's it's about it's about a kind of upcoming journey, isn't yeah. it? It's not saying yeah. they're not gonna get no, home, but, but it's like that. It's not like, well, hey, it's my time. We're going home. It's you know? not. It's not like you're gonna be home next week. <laughs> yeah. I loved. I loved. We were just discussing the episode, um, um, Spirit Folk. And um, I was watching it today, and uh, the, one of the ladies calls Neelix a, what is it, a, a, le- leprechaun. a leprechaun. Stop <laughs> looking leprechaun to me. <laughs> There's a leprechaun if I ever did see one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really funny how Spirit Folk has like a mixture of Irish and Northern Irish accents. <laughs> like, nope, in the 18th century, they would not be playing nicely together. No. <laughs> Exactly. So is that your last piece for us, Matt? It is, but now it's that time of the week. It's quiz time. Time for the Trek Off. Trek Off. I was going to say, where's the enthusiasm? <laughs> it's because they know that someone's going to lose <laughs> <laughs> they, they, yeah. they might both lose, yeah. That's it, that's it. So, right, this so. week, yeah, we're going to have the, the previously in the Alpha Quadrant trek off. Okay. Okay, boys. Uh, I think, yeah, Paul's won every time we've had one. Oh, okay, well, now's the time, Adam. Now's Paul's your moment. My moment to shine. Okay, so. You'll be, be waiting a long time for that. <laughs> Don't let yourself down. So, Matt, what do you have for us? Right, I've got this little clip here then from it's one of the first four seasons of Next Gen, so you've just got to name the episode. Are you ready? So it's, it's it's obviously quite a jovial episode. I'm assuming it's one that involves <laughs> children. <laughs> um, I'm never good at even remembering names of TNG episodes. Or in fact, I think I'll take it. I'll take a risk. Is it from the outrageous O'Connell? No. I was trying the old X Factor thing. It's good, it's good. Fanny well, House won't do any better anyway, so it's fine. Okay, Adam. Well, it's clearly season one or two because they had really wanky music in seasons one or two. So, 
I'm pretty sure it's one of those two. And it sounds like an episode I never want to watch again, so I'm just going to say Justice. Okay. You say Justice. Yeah. It's not right. But you're right in that it's an episode you'd never want to watch again. Now, if I tell you it's in season two, and I'll give you both another guess, and it's a horrendously bad episode, does that help you? Royale. It's Royale, isn't it? No, it's Shades of Grey. Yeah! Here's the clip in its entirety. Of course I know who I am. I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. I'm delighted that you're feeling better, Captain. The Admiral and I were worried about you. Captain, I do not believe you have the authority to promote me to the rank of Admiral. Oh, my, my washing machine's having a spit. <laughs> No, basically, it sounds like a helicopter. I'm going to mute the microphone. You keep talking. Okay, so since the first question wasn't so much of a success, Matt, have you got another question for the boys? Oh, I have. I'll just pick one at random. Uh, and here we go. this time then. Um, I think I know what it is, but then I know the episode. Okay. Which is a problem. <laughs> it's kind of a love theme. Uh-huh. I'm like, it's kind of a love theme, and it's going to be evolving where they crush it because it's going to be bad. And I think it's an episode where they've got to transport this ambassador woman, this queen or whatever, to another planet, and she's got a shapeshifter guardian, and it just feels like that episode to me. I don't. Oh, that would be uh, that would be uh, season two's The Dolphin. Is that your answer then? Yes, it is my answer. And that is incorrect. Oh, okay. But didn't I sound like I knew what I was talking about? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Except for the fact that you didn't know what episode it was, but you know. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a. It sounds. It sounds kind of like another pissy episode. <laughs> um. I really don't know. I'm going to say the traveller because I hope that's the music that's going on while Wesley's getting fingered in the end oh. of the universe. Oh God. <laughs> the traveller. Or whatever that episode's called, with a weird guy. Uh, the first, that'll be where no one has gone before. Yeah, that one. It's not that one either. Uh, well, we need to keep playing until someone wins. No, we don't. We, we, we do, we do. <laughs> what was it, Matt? 
I'll play the I'll play the clip and you one of you should be able to get it from that. You know around here, aren't you? Yes. Oh, one, 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 zero, zero, one, one, whatever. Loud, loud! Put him down. The Vainars. Commander, what are your intentions toward my daughter? Oh, 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 oh. oh your daughter? Oh, the offering, the offering, the offering. Yeah. Nice to meet you. <laughs> right. Yes, it was the offspring. <laughs> Matt, Emma, you need to give us, like, a question. If you do one that's really obvious, we're going to have to give you both, like, a noise and the first person to make the noise answers. Because otherwise, if it's really easy, then one of you is definitely going to get it. Can we just say each other's... Can I just say Adam instead of a noise? Cause if you want. We'll have to say our own name. Okay. Yeah, so okay, I've got... I've got a... During the clip. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've got a third one, and this one should be a lot easier, hopefully. You ready? Oh, Adam. Yeah. The best of both worlds, part one. Bose, what, best of both worlds, the first bit. That's right. Yay! <laughs> well done, Mr. Adam House. I was cheating. Matt talked about that in the previous episode he was on. Just on. <laughs> No, I didn't. You were on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, well here's, the, here's the answer clip, just in case no, anyone but, doesn't but know what it is. Say that, it's, just when oh. sort of, it's when Wife is saying to um, Picard or Lakuta saying, and he's back to, he's back to Father of Breakfast. I know what's it. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's the finale of part one. Yeah. All right, you two, don't give each other a rim job for it. Matt's going to play it without... From this time forward... You will service us. Mr. Worf. Fire. had Paul playing the air symbol. <laughs> the air symbol? What the air that? symbol. <laughs> what is that? I like playing air guitar, but it's an air Oh. Symbol. Cool. <laughs> so well done, Adam, for winning this week's Trek Off. What's my prize? Um, your prize is... Pictures of Matt naked. Pictures of Matt naked. No one wants that. That's, that's, I don't think that's a prize, really. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> no, no, no offence, Matt, but... No, no, it's fine. I don't have any desire to see Matt Jr. poking his head out of his bush. Oh, God. <laughs> so, now that Adam has won the trek off, Matt, would you like to tell us where people can find out more about you, if they would like to? Yes, you can find me on the Trek Night site. I've written some articles about the music of Star Trek on there. Uh, you can find me lurking around the forums. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at QB. And uh, my blog, QB.com. Fantastic. And Adam and Paul, would you like to tell everybody where they can find you if they want to hear more of your disgusting antics? On trek.org.uk, just search for 
Enterprise podcast. Yeah, just basically Google the best Trekmate podcast and it'll come up. Brilliant. So now that that's all been settled, it is now time for this. And now, the guest of the week. The guest of the week. We would like to welcome our guest of the week this week, which is none other, none other than Trekologist himself, Mr. Riles Davies. Thank you, and the crowd roars. Thank you. So welcome to Trekmate. Trek meat, yes indeed. Mm-hmm. Yes, without a drink in your hands or a silly costume on. Exactly, and yeah, my trill marks are no longer on my face. Just, <laughs> just back to human, well, just back to human. I should hope not. That was how many weeks ago? That was like a month and a bit. Yes, yes. Yeah. If they were, I would really begin to wonder. Yeah, trill maybe would exist. Either that or... I just never wash. <laughs> So, Raoul, you are a trichologist. Rumour has it. Rumour has it. <laughs> on the, word on the street that I have heard yes. is that you're a trichologist. Yeah, down with the 111 or something, yes. Right, exactly, exactly. So can you tell us how you came about becoming a trichologist? CBS came to me, and uh, after they actually offered me the the opportunity to present, they they came up, they came to me and they said, look, we, we need something. We, um, we would like to address you as something. We'd like to give you a title. We'd like to call you something. And I said, my name usually works very well. Thank you very much. <laughs> and they said, no, no, no. We want to actually give you a title. Can we... Um, can we call you Superfan? And I said, no, you bloody can't. I'll call me Super anything. I'm not Ben. Um, they said, well, we need a name for you. So I said, give me 24 hours and I'll give you a name. And I called up my best friend and I said, look, these guys want to call me something. What can I be? And she said, psychologist. It took her all of about six seconds, if not less. <laughs> She's been planning it. She's been planning it. It's been, yes. it's been in production. She's been sat there working on it. Yeah. And she just said, Trekologist. And I went, what the hell is that? She said, it'll work. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. There, there, was, there was no classes. There were no studies. There were, there were nothing attached to it. It was just a simple, eh, there you go. You know crap loads about Star Trek. That'll do. <laughs> so I went back and said, how about it? They went, oh, yes, we love it. It'll be great. Nobody actually thought anything of it. It was something to put on the screen. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So now when people turn around and go, oh, you're a trichologist. Y- yeah, well, you know, uh, my, my, my best friend made that up in six seconds. So <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. It's, uh, it's a title that's more for the benefit of visual media than it is for any degree acquired from Harvard or anything like that. And it does sound a lot better than super fan. Yeah, mm. it does. You get too many super fans. Yes, <laughs> too many pe- too many people call themselves super fans. 
is a super fan. I don't see anybody flying around outside my apartment, you know. Exactly, right? yeah, yeah. Picking yeah. cars up off crushed people or stopping trains in front of puppies. <laughs> What's a super fan? Maybe all the people on Trekkies and Trekkies 2 think they're super fans. Maybe that's what a super fan is. You know what? I've actually seen Trekkies and I haven't seen Trekkies 2. Mm. And I just thought, wow. Mm-hmm. After the after the first one, I just thought, wow. You can't yeah. see much else, can you? And I get grief. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about being well-known um, in the Trek community now? Because obviously it was, um, it was kind of, was it kind of just set upon you like that? As you say, they kind of came to you and um, you kind of agreed to do it and now you're, um, you're on the screen at CBS and you're presenting and things like that. Is it really like every Trekkie's dream? Is it like uh, that? I think one of the things that a lot of people who watch me on TV, um, I'm appreciative of a lot of what they do. I do appreciate it. And um, when CBS came to me, they said, well, we have an agenda. We're going to put you on screen and, and if, if we're lucky we're going to make you a household name and I thought okay fair enough you guys are all high as kites but that's okay <laughs> we're, 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 we'll go with it uh, sounds fun and um, as it went on I was first noticed literally within three months four months um, at Collectomania Milton Keynes and somebody walked past and said you're the guy on TV <laughs> and I thought yes I am and he just he just grinned and walked away again he didn't say anything <laughs> no handshake no I thought it was you no here's a photograph just you're that guy on TV yes I am he <laughs> and then it went, I thought, wow that, that was that was weird yeah it was weird if you're out there dude that actually just walked up to me and just smiled. I thought, okay, that's a bit unusual. <laughs> the thing that got me, the thing that really threw me was um, what happened afterwards. As you said, you're quite well known. Well, I have a, I have a number of fans um, hmm. on the Facebook page, and I'm always pleased to see them. And... Um, it wasn't until actually other occasions. It wasn't until other occasions where I'm walking through the streets in Liverpool and somebody rides past on the back and goes, Hey, Ross! And you go, what the hell is that? <laughs> I have no idea who that person is. And then they come up to you and say, I watch you on TV. <laughs> I'm not even in uniform. How the hell did you spot me? Yeah. <laughs> or, or you're Christmas shopping with a friend in a different city and somebody goes, Hey, I thought it was you. How are you doing? And you're going, oh, my God, I'm not even wearing that. <laughs> it, it, it's getting, it changes a bit. It changes, it changes the way you think. And um, it is a bit, it throws you. I think the biggest shock for me was standing, was Destination Star Trek London. I was working at the CBS Action Store. And some of you may have seen it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I got requests. I got a couple of requests from people saying, 
oh, can, can you can you sign this postcard? I, there were some postcards of me there with CBS Action. He said, can I get a photograph? Can I sign it? And I thought, okay, yeah, I, I don't mind signing anything. If somebody wants my autograph, God only knows why, um, yeah, we'll give it a shot. And I was signing a few. And I looked up, and there were about 30 people in a line. And I absolutely shat myself. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Mm. There are... The, the, Kate Mulgrew is over there. Go, go get... <laughs> go, go get her autograph. Now, it was one of those that really, really threw me. It, it's weird. Um, it's it's wonderful. It, it is wonderful. It's great. But it's still... It's still very, very strange because um, I don't see myself as famous. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself as, as anything particularly brilliant. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I do a little bit here and there for CBS Action. Mm-hmm. And I actually asked one person after signing a, a picture for him, I said, look, what's the story? Why, why, do you, why do you want my autograph? He said, and he replied... You're doing something new. We've we've got all these on DVD. We've got all these on video. You are something uh, new about the franchise, and it's great to see something new that actually adds something to it. And I thought, wow, I hadn't considered that. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's really nice to hear things like that as well from fans. You know, from from people like you say that you don't know why they want your autograph, why they want your you know your photo, why they want to speak to you and stuff like that. But when they say something like that, I think it must, you know, bring it all back that you are doing something that you know is quite good and people do appreciate. It is. It, it is. It is quite something. Um, it's. I wouldn't say it's every uh, Trekkie's dream. I think most Trekkies will say the dream, their dream, is to actually be on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, to be a bridge officer um, on the series, I think that's that's every Trekkie's dream. Running around as um, captain of a ship or fighting aliens, I think that's every Trekkie's dream, to actually be there on the show, visiting strange new worlds, meeting a new life form and new civilizations. I think that is the dream. What I've got is is almost as good. It's hard work. I'll I'll be honest with you. It's very hard mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. But it it is it is gratifying and it is it's lovely when people actually acknowledge and appreciate what you do. So I've been talking to you recently, and yep. you were telling me that you are starting to write your notes now for Star Trek Enterprise. Indeed. So all the material that you say, obviously, at the end of the show is the facts and you know some information about star trek do you write that all yourself yes yeah yes i actually uh it it takes it takes a long time you've got um we have a time limit Mm -hmm. because um obviously uh when you're a lot of the things that transpire at the end of a show take place in a what we call a credit squeeze okay which is at the end of a, a TV episode, you get the credits running, which generally run for about 30 seconds, mm-hmm. generally. Um, and your credit squeeze fits into that. So you've got a little piece of information about, um, about 
the next episode or what you saw or what's coming or anything like that, and you've got to get it in 30 seconds. Now, in shooting, that means you've actually got to get it in 28.5 seconds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like that. And you have to... It's really tough because you have to announce the episode's title, Mm -hmm. say something about the episode itself without giving the story away, maybe add a couple of things that are related to something that happens in the episode Mm -hmm. that people can look for, or some connection to... Um, something that happened behind the scenes during that episode. And you've got to actually be able to put in one, two, or maximum three little facts Mm -hmm. about a particular episode in a structure that's not blurbed, as in bullet points, Mm -hmm. and then phrase it and speak it in a way that everybody can understand it without them saying, what the hell did he just say? Yeah. (laughs) And do it in 28.5 seconds. Now, we're lucky. I'm lucky. When we started, I had to do it in 18.5 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) They they greased you with some more time. (laughs) Yes, they they were very kind when we did original series. And... um, I started off with The Next Generation, and they did it in 18.5 seconds, and we did the original series. I said, there is no way on God's green earth Mm -hmm. I can squeeze in trouble with tribbles into (laughs) 18.5 seconds. And they went, all right, would you like some more time? Yes, please. please." So um, I, I, I got an extra 10 seconds. But it does mean you're sat there uh, when you're writing it. I've got masses and masses of of information, which I then have to cut out, work Mm -hmm. out, thinking to myself, if I'm watching this, what's going to interest me? Mm. What what am I going to, what's going to make me go, well, I'll be, I never knew that. (laughs) If I was the viewer, what's going to actually make me go, ha! So you end up, hacking and slashing reams and reams and reams of information to um, squeeze it down and structure it in a way that you can squeeze it in. It's not. It's very, very difficult because yeah. the things you chop out, you do think to yourself, man, that was good. Yeah. I really wanted to include that. that that's something special. Oh, that was nice. But you just, it's tough. It's tough, and sometimes you have to be really, um, you have to be very careful. But I write it. It takes hours, hours upon hours, but I've had no complaints yet. So the, the facts that you get, you know, you, obviously the facts that you say and, and the information that you have, it's not your kind of, you know, your usual fact that you'd, you know, would turn up in like a pub quiz down your local. It's, you know, proper facts and things that you people might not have already known. Where do you get your facts from? I um I get my facts from oh secret locations. <laughs> yes, I, I have a safe tonight and garlic that that I, I hold all facts in. Um, <laughs> not quite. Um, there was one individual once who actually accused me of of regurgitating everything from Memory Alpha, um, mm. and. 
it doesn't quite work that way. Mm. I have, being a fan of the show as long as I have, um, when I started following Star Trek, um, I went out and I, I did a, I did a very strange thing. Um, I actually went out and bought actual paper books, which is weird. <laughs> uh, it is in this day and age. Mm. Um, but I bought books that told me about the universe itself rather than the actors. Mm. Uh, do you understand what I mean? Yeah. I actually invested in things like the Star Trek Starfleet technical manual. Yeah. Tell me how tricorders work, because, you know, that's just what I need to know. Um, and I invested in the medical reference library manual and things like that, which told me the universe, told me about the universe rather than about the actors and the production crew. In fact, I would quite often turn my nose up at um, somebody would come up to me and say, oh, here's a book. And it's, it's uh, say, Star Trek action, which is about, or, or, or the continuing mission, 10 years after um, Next Generation aired, his interviews with the stars. And I thought, why the hell would I want to do that? I don't want to read about that. I, I want to know about warp cores and, and how it works and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that I was able with that to actually drink in that level of information, which told me stuff about the ship, which told me stuff about the universe, which told me stuff about elements of Star Trek that you just wouldn't normally uh, discover on Memory Alpha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other thing was... Um, it, it enabled me to look at the universe in a slightly different way because you're studying Star Trek rather than... Well, you're, you're studying Star Trek, the fiction, rather than Star Trek, the production. Um, with that in mind, obviously there are areas which overspills, like the Star Trek Encyclopedia, written by um, Michael and Denise Okuda, and other books like that, um, the Star Trek Aliens and Artifacts book, sometimes these things overlap, where they tell you about the artifact, uh, and you go, aha, and it's, when I sit down and write, I study the episodes, I watch each episode before I write it, with a fine-tooth comb, so sometimes two or three, sometimes two or three times you watch too short a season, which, let's be honest, is a bloody awful episode. But, <laughs> but you, you look for things and you listen closely and then you pick up some dust-covered book from 1987 and go, aha, right, so that's this and that's that and you, you work it out that way. And then I try and put it in into, um, I try and put it into a piece. Basically, the team at CBS Action said to me, don't just give us something that everybody knows. Yeah. We would like people to get something new out of this. Um, some things that they might not have noticed, some things that may have slipped, or some things that 
um, something that they may have missed, something that they might not have heard of, that sort of thing. So that's how that's how I approach it. the The information I try and give out is is special. I try and look at it as a way of saying any long term Trek fan, of which um, there are a few people, knows a lot. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows a lot anyway. Mm. Uh, my thought is, if I try and tell something new to the people, to the veterans, mm. um, if I try and tell them something new, then um, the people who are new will learn something. Yeah. <laughs> if you something, oh, the people who are new will learn something, and everybody wins. So that's 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 the way I look at it. I'm interested to know if you did any drama or have you had um, presenting lessons? Because obviously um, going um, onto the screen, it's quite, I, I'm assuming it's quite difficult um, to know what goes on and how to do it and how to say it and what you have to do. Um, or does it just come naturally to you? Um, I was always something of a, um, I was always... Uh, a play actor as a child um, I, I would I would be showboating any opportunity to strut around um, I think I first stepped on the stage when I was about three years old um, and um, throughout school my the school I went to didn't necessarily have a drama department so to speak mm-hmm. but a couple of colleagues in my, uh, of mine put on our own plays we had the blessings of the school and we wrote stuff and we put our own stuff on and i've always skirted very close to that realm the performance realm when um they brought when cbs actually said okay let's do this one of the things they said was um we're going to actually said we're happy with it. You've obviously got a confidence with the camera. You're no, you're relaxed with it. Um, however, the powers that be feel you could do with a little bit more. So they they sent me to um, presenting 101. Where I I had to I got to speak to one of the news reporters from Sky TV, one of the um, Sky News reporters for location who said, look. Um, you can't move a lot if you're standing outside the Houses of Commons. You can, you've got um, a report to deliver. You can't walk around and throw your arms around because you've only got a box this big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and she said, what you have to do is learn how to animate um, yourself and learn how to gesture and move around in a way that shows that you're active and moving without actually um, flaying left, right, and center. And she talked me through it. Um, she actually talked me through it and showed me how to actually present um, for the television. And um, we did that for an afternoon and a bit. I mean, a solid thing. And then it was a lot of working and practicing to try and get that right. Mm-hmm. It's... It's something that I wouldn't say I've, I wouldn't say it was a proper training course or anything like that, uh, because some things you can't. But it certainly helped me realize your parameters, your frame, 
I like to gesture a lot. I like to move a lot when I talk. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like to. Anybody who saw me at Destination Star Trek London yes. uh, um, knows that I, I like to move. I mean, I, I, I move so much I fall off stages. You've got the jazz hands. Yes. Yeah. Jazz hands, yeah. Permanently walking around and then, whoa, there he goes. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I like to move, but of course, when you're doing, um, when you're doing the links on television, you can't because you're you're in a space. This is your area. This is where the camera is. This is the uh, projection behind you, the set uh, around you, and you can't just strut around all over the place. So the, it it is a thought pattern you have to get into that is different from the way you might normally behave. So there was a little bit of training for that, but. Obviously, at the core, the ability to fall off stage and then stand up and do jazz hands afterwards, yeah, that, that comes naturally. <laughs> That's just something you, you just have to get your practice in with that one. Yes, absolutely. Just, just go find a precipice and throw yourself off and see, see, see how well you do. And <laughs> then, uh, you know, you improve. This is a question that, you know, because it's a ladies' podcast, this one, this time. The main oh, technique show... It's been yes. taken over. It's been taken over by the females. I don't see a problem with this. Carry yeah. on. It's great. Continue. So yeah. So something us all ladies, I'm sure we all want to know. How does this title of being a trekologist <laughs> go down with the ladies? Can you do you do you are you the kind of person that you walk into the bar and you know you're like, hey, how's it going? Do you like? <laughs> I'm a total trekologist. Yeah. Do you think that you can whip that out and you know you're all? You're <laughs> in there? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> You heard correctly, Ralph. You heard very correctly. <laughs> Careful now. Laura's only just turned 20. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Can you whip that out in a bar, yes, and not get arrested? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, really. It, it, it's such it's such a lady puller. It, it's unreal. I, I like to just walk out and go, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, trichologist. <laughs> no, it, it, it is really not something that... I mean, let's face it. There, at the moment, in, in the world, there is something called... Um, there's, there's, a, there's a trend at the moment called geek chic, mm-hmm. where, which, I'll be honest with you, annoys the living out of me, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we've talked about it, actually. It annoys yeah. the out of us, too. <laughs> Thanks to the Big Bang Theory and things like that, uh, it's now hip and trendy. And people forget that um, the real geeks were the ones that got the living daylights beat out of them in school, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which is which is just, you know, one of those things. And you look at it and you say... I'm a Star Trek fan, and as anybody who knows the franchise or has a connection to it will say that that's usually the quickest way to end a date. Mm. Yes. <laughs> hey, what do you like? Oh, I'm kind of into Star Trek. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Goodbye. I'm sorry, I think I'm here to meet someone else. <laughs> did, you, did you see a girl? Sorry. <laughs> did you see Star Trek? I thought it was Star Wars. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I have to go. Oh, <laughs> It, it, it's another thing that um, um, it's another thing that uh, being a trekologist isn't actually 
a a a lady killer, so to speak. What I found is somewhat unnerving, and I'm going to upset some ladies with this. Um, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> One thing I found unnerving is not so much the title of trichologist that's alluring. It's to say, I work on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And and that makes them go, oh, really? You're, you're you present it and you think, dude, it's really not as glamorous as you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I present Star Trek. And they go, what's that? <laughs> I've heard of Star Wars. And then it's your turn to go, is that the time I have to go? <laughs> um, it's, it's, the title of Trichologist is, is an odd one. It's almost it's almost strange because I don't I don't throw it around left right and center um, because to me I'm basically doing something I enjoy doing anyway I'm a fan I am a fan I've been a fan for the better part of thirty five years um, I've been watching it since I could speak. <laughs> And um, when you think about it like that, and they turn around and say, "Oh, yes, you're you're the Star Trek expert." Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm just talking about something I enjoy. Um, to turn around and go into somewhere and 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 think that that kind of activity is, is really going to get, you know, your own to Paul or your own, <laughs> it's not really going to happen. Um, <laughs> Besides, it's it's a bit strange, but ninety percent of girls do prefer Star Wars. <laughs> they prefer the princess, the the um, the pirate with a heart of gold, the good the, the dark knight and the white knight having sword battles on precipices and ledges and and all things like that, and a bunch of freaking teddy bears. The um. <laughs> Lots of girls like Star Wars over Star Trek, probably because of the fantasy element, probably because of the wonderful... It, it is pure fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, thanks to ladies like you, that's changing. So this is the big question, and I get to ask it. Yay! <laughs> um, are you a TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, or Enterprise man, and why? Hmm... <clears throat> I'm actually in it. Well, yes, I'm an original series fan. Mm-hmm. Captain Kirk and the First Family, all the way. Uh huh. I'm, in fact, um, I say Captain Kirk and the First Family, um, but I'll be perfectly honest. It was actually the Enterprise that first um, got me into it. The ship itself. Yeah. Um, uh, being a lot of a lot of boys. Growing up, uh, develop a fascination for space. Mm-hmm. Um, I say boys because being a um, being a boy myself, I have no idea what interests girls when they're young. Um, but I certainly know that for me, space travel, war, aircraft, things like that, that, that kind of did it for me. Mm-hmm. And um, the Enterprise did it for me. And... Obviously, being the first one I saw, it's going to hold a special place mm-hmm. um, in my heart. There is going to be something that will sit there. But um, 
So there is that element. But if you want to go into the 24th century, it's going to be Voyager. Yes. Which, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, yeah. Uh, hey. <laughs> trichologist here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's going to be Voyager. Because, uh, let's be perfectly honest, Voyager is the original series in the 24th century. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way I like it. There was a, a writer, there was a magazine called Cult Times back in the 90s. And they wrote a little mini blurb on Voyager when it first premiered. And they described Voyager, well, Captain Janeway, as the granddaughter Kirk never knew he had. <laughs> and if you think about it, she is. She leads away missions. She's very hands-on with all her crew. She shares a joke with most of her people on the bridge. She thinks on her feet. And the story itself, the story itself is one of one ship alone out there not knowing what you're going to find. The same way as the original series, one ship Mm -hmm. alone out there. And when you actually draw the comparisons between the two, you can actually see a distinct return to basics in Voyager with the crew, with the way they interact, with the way the ship is playing out, or the adventures are playing out. Um, Original series aside, because it does kind of stand alone in as much as it's the one that made it all happen. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at the other three, then I'm certainly a fan of Kate Mulgrew mm-hmm. and the USS Voyager. It's, and besides, the Intrepid vessel is a beautiful thing. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the reasons why I've um, attached myself to it so closely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I run a, I run a mini group. Um, I, I run a, a fan group which has a ship and um, our Intrepid class vessel is the same. And um, because it's it's really good, it's original series for the modern world. It's good. It's a good job you said Voyager because um, our topic of the week this week has been all about Voyager, and um, we have had our guests, which were uh, myself, Laura, and Bunny Summers, and she was on. Well, they were all on, and we were discussing what we thought were the worst and best episodes from Voyager. <laughs> So I'll just give you a rundown of the ones that were picked as the worst, and you can just let me know what you think of them individually. For you know, just give me a little kind of summary of what you think. So the first one was um, threshold. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> That's all you need to feel it. Yeah. Okay. The Spock's brain of Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's a shame. It it is it is regarded as the worst Voyager episode, um, because it basically lost its way. It's it's a really good. The idea is sound. The idea behind Threshold is sound. However, its execution was appalling. And to say that um, you know having um, a, a result of of messing around with it would leave you as some sort of slug is just what um there was a message attached to it though there's a lot of that um a lot of people miss because they get distracted by the slug and and tom paris's 
devolution, so to speak. One of the things that uh, I believe the producers were thinking, well, certainly the person who was behind Threshold was saying was, there's a lot of shows on television that um, something starts off, you end up with the ground rules set in motion, and then somebody comes in, a new producer, a new writer, or something goes, oh, let's do this, let's do that, let's do the other. And you end up uh, with a show that is so very different from the way it started. If you're looking for an example, take X-Files. Uh, season one, season two, and season three X-Files is about light years away from season seven. You know, it's not even the same damn show. And it's situations like that where in Threshold they're saying, Roddenberry says you can't hit warp ten. Don't try and mess around with the foundations because when you mess around with the foundations, it all falls apart. Um, stick to the rules we know. Stick to what works, and it will be fine. And a lot of people miss that. But you're right. As an episode goes, it's bloody awful. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was. Um, the next one that was chosen was The Shoot. The Shoot is is a brilliant character development. Um, it's it's wonderful... It's a wonderful opportunity for Harry to show him show his stuff. And one of the problems was the writers themselves didn't like Ensign Kim. Not not so much Garrett Wong. They didn't like um, Harry Kim. And what happened was you've got an actor here who's a good actor who wants to show his stuff. And, you know, you've got a great... Um, two officers stuck in a really bad situation trying to get through it without actually losing their principles of being Starfleet officers. Mm-hmm. And um, it is it is great to show... Some people say there's always a line you don't cross, and where is that line? Everybody's is different. And um, it shows how much pressure people can take. It, it's a fantastic, powerful episode. But a lot of people look at it and just go, what? Where are the girls? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I, I've got two sweaty, dirty men here rolling around the floor in some in squalor. Um, where, where are the girls? Yeah. So our next one that was the worst to the last one was Spirit Folk. <laughs> <laughs> ah, to be sure, it's a wonderful episode. No, no it really isn't. <laughs> I, I found... Voyager had, um, like Next Generation, they they got rather attached to the holodeck, mm-hmm. and they the writers kept looking for something to take you away from um, the grey bulk of the ship. You know the the the, the situation of here we are trying to get through space, it's all very grim. And a lot of holodeck stories like um, Beowulf, Captain Proton, things like that, were were written. But um, you sat there going, where can we go with it? How can we develop? Um, what are we looking for? And Spirit Folk was, was born out of that. Let's have this wonderful, happy, happy... Um, environment which I found to be particularly distasteful mm-hmm. because 
it was the worst type of Irish stereotype you can imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Growing up in the United States, I um, for me, Ireland was this mythical land of leprechauns and stones that um, would enable you to talk if you kissed them, mm-hmm. um, and rainbows and green fields and and St. Patrick. Yeah, it was wonderful. This this kingdom. It was almost like Oz. Mm-hmm. And you find out that it's it's nothing like that at all. But to make an episode called Spirit Folk, which perpetrates this mythos, is is got to be damned annoying if you're Irish. Mm. So we we move on from the worst to what we thought were one of some of the best. Um, and the first one was um, Shattered. Ah, Shattered. Great, great episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Wow. Somebody was excited. Is that is that your best? That was mine. That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. like, Please don't hate it. Please don't hate it. No, no, no. Chat is great mm-hmm. um, because it really does um, it really does show things up the same way um, the original series used to mess around with things because. You've got this spatial anomaly, mm-hmm. and it's messing things up. And you are sat there going, how are you going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. And then they go, well, we're not going to do anything. It's such a lovely twist. You just go, let it go. It's almost like driving through fog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you're in a car, and you're moving, and all of a sudden you hit this fog bank, and you go, oh, crap. Yeah. How, how the hell are we going to get out of this? Just drive. Uh, uh, just keep going. Just, just keep going. come out the other side. Oh wow, that was scary, wasn't it? Wow, and shattered has that element where you are sat there looking at it and going, wow, this because you don't think of it that way. You don't immediately go down the oh well, it's just another spatial anomaly because we've been fed throughout Next Generation Deep Space Nine a special uh, you know a spatial anomaly comes. It's destroyed your you know it's going to destroy you. It's going to blow up your ship. It's going to affect your station. You suddenly get shattered. And you go, oh, another spatial anomaly. What are we going to do? And like nothing. Mm. Don't do a thing. Just wait. And brilliant. It it was such a clever episode. And what they did with the ship and the way they played it, I thought was was a great. Great episode. Okay, so our next one was uh, Workforce. Ah, Workforce. <laughs> so many things sampled straight out of Forbidden Planet. It was clever. Um, it, it was it was very clever because it enabled it enabled to keep the characters or maintain the characters while at the same time taking them into a slightly different environment. Um, I thought Janeway's character um, and Seven's character and Belana's and Paris, I thought they all worked very well in their new in their new personas. Mm-hmm. But one of the best things that I find about Workforce isn't so much the life on the planet. It's the Command the Medical Hologram and yeah. Harry Kim. And a lot of people forget about command medical hologram or emergency command hologram, the ECH. Um, 
and the way he saves the ship and the way they go about things. It's workforce is great. One of the earliest ones to use CGI and uh, move away from the matte paintings that had obviously permeated the Star Trek universe since the 60s. Uh, great stuff. I like Workforce. Workforce is excellent. One of the better two-parters, I think. Yeah, we were saying, though, that it, um, it happened... We think it happened too late in the in the series because it was right near the end of... Well, the middle of season seven, and it's kind of like, well, if you'd had it earlier, then you'd be able to see kind of the aftermath of it a little bit better. Um, do you, would you agree with that? There were certainly a few things that I thought were a bit... They made some bad calls. Mm. Um, because the originally um, Year of Hell was supposed to be the season three cliffhanger, and the idea was that everybody remembers Year of Hell because um, it, you get this wonderful two-part story of Voyager being battered to heck. But the original thought pattern was the season, the, the, the cliffhanger was the end. A bit like Best of Both Worlds, the cliffhanger would yeah. be the end of season three. And then when you came back after the, the summer break and you start off with an even more battered ship, it was to give the impression that throughout all the time you've been out playing football and all the rest, Voyager has been in the Delta Quadrant getting the heck beat out of it. Yeah. And it's, you, you get this real sense of um, time passing and, and damage for the ship. But some bright spark decided rather than have Year of Hell as a cliffhanger, they'd use the season finale to introduce Seven of Nine's character. Uh-huh which I think was a bad move. I think having a year of hell would have been better, because let's be honest, the way Seven's of, Seven of Nine's character came in and Kess's character bowed out, Seven of Nine yeah. went, that could have been done in mid-season. Yeah. It was, it was nothing particularly inspiring. Mm-hmm. It was a case of, I'm here now, oh, okay, fair enough. Um, I think that was... It was one of the few bad calls. Um, workforce being further back, say in season four or even season five, would have been, I agree, much better mm-hmm. uh, because it allows more and more character development. And Voyager is is all about the adventure, the journey, the human yeah. adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're looking at the characters, where you're looking at character development, where you're looking at the struggle of people. It was a bit late. It would have been a much better, I agree, much better in season five or six. But unfortunately, it wasn't even written then. So <laughs> Not much you can do there. <laughs> so the last one that was picked for best episode was Someone to Watch Over Me. A nice little love story. <laughs> Pygmalion. What? Uh, that's that's interesting. That that is interesting. I, I find that very interesting. Someone to watch over me is wonderful. 
Um, and as you're right, well, being two ladies on the podcast, I suppose, <laughs> it's not surprising that you should pick someone to watch over me. Um, I love story. How lovely. <laughs> One of the things that, you know what, I've actually noticed something about your favourite episodes. <laughs> very heavy on the Doctor, aren't they? Oh. Very much Robert Picardo. Maybe that's our subconscious coming in there. Got a thing for Rob, have you? We might do. We might uh, well. Yeah. Right, next, talk to Bob Picardo. I'm actually going to say, you know, I know a couple of girls back in England. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Someone to Watch Over Me is, is a wonderful story. It's a lovely story, um, made even more so by the way it ends. Mm. Original series, like a lot of shows in the 60s, were one-off episodes. You could jump in and out of the original series at any time and not worry. Mm-hmm. Right? You could just jump in and go, I'm going to watch Star Trek. Oh, here's an episode. Thank you very much. And I'm off again. Yeah. Um, certainly as a result of the latter half of TNG, all of DS9 and most of Voyager, the characters grow. Um, which means if you just walk in and have never seen Voyager before, it's very... it's a, it's a it's quite difficult to fully understand the magnitude of what's going on for the characters. With someone to watch over me, you know exactly what's going on because you've seen the relationship develop between um, the Doctor and Seven and all the others. You, you can see the way it works. Mm-hmm. But it struggles to stand up if you had never seen an episode before because it's so heavily based in that. Um, one of my... My favorite episodes of Voyager is um, Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy. Yeah, I do like that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Which is absolutely brilliant. It's funny. It's Mm -hmm. clever. It's it's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. It suffers the same problem. Mm -hmm. Because you know um, Kate Mulgrew... um, uh, Jerry Ryan and Roxanne Dawson would never behave that way in those characters. It makes all the more funny in the briefing room scene while the boxers oh. are going, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll whip this out and uh, show everybody what I got. Um, it's, it's, uh, it makes it all the more funny because you know how the characters are. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it struggles if you came in having never seen Voyager before, going, what's this? Yeah. You might find that certain elements funny, but it wouldn't be as funny. And that is a problem with with Voyager. So I would have to gravitate towards the earlier seasons where there were more standalone episodes. Yeah. And for that, I would go with the full. Mm-hmm. Oh. The, you know... Starship captains don't succumb to fear. Clown versus the captain. And as a standalone individual that would work for somebody who's never seen the show before, to just come in and go, okay, here's an adventure, that would be my favorite. Um, because it's, being earlier on, it just tells a story. Of the later episodes, it would have to be Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy, which is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. As for my worst episode, yep. well, I think you've already said it. 
it would be the the globally unanimously voted threshold. Yeah. But um, it's just no. I couldn't believe what I was watching, but <laughs> we've been through this. So it was it was yes. a rant. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> it was indeed. Well, thank you very much for coming on our show, Rails, to come and talk to us. Thank you very much for being silly enough to invite me. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I doubt you'll do it again, you silly people. <laughs> um, we and we know that you are helping to run the event Trichology. Oh uh, yes, yes I am. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about that? Back, back in the early days, uh, well, not 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 the early days, in the height of Star uh, of um, and in the in the height of Star Trek's glory ride, shall we say, the Comet's Arc, there were a lot of conventions around the world. In fact, in Britain alone, there was one every weekend. You, if you if you had the funds, you could go to a convention somewhere in Britain every weekend of the year. Yeah. There were that many. There were a lot of broke people out there. Uh, <laughs> and I was one of them. But as as a lot of things um, as a lot of things do, it goes around and comes around and the Star Trek convention faded. Whether it was because Star Trek itself started to disappear from the small screen and be replaced by um, other shows like Big Brother or things like that, mm-hmm. conventions started to fall by the wayside. I run a Star Trek convention, one of the old school Star Trek conventions. For a long time, the the biggest Star Trek conventions were um, the Starfleet Ball um, in Bournemouth, mm-hmm. run by SFB Events, which is a fantastic thing. Um, and um, they always have a Trek guest, and they would also have something in in Coventry called Reunion, and that would be it. There were other smaller groups that ran events, banquets, little gatherings where they were, but the convention as was uh, fell by the wayside. And one of the things I thought was it'd be really nice to have conventions again, proper conventions in hotels with guest stars, not just a signing event like Collectomania where you stand and get 10 seconds with a star while he scribbles their name over their piece of paper or or photograph and then you're gone, Um, but a proper convention where you could actually walk down into the bar and, and talk with the star of the show and have a drink with them and, and socialize with other people and it's safe it's safe it's fun and that's what i do uh, my crew for want of a better term my friends we put together trichology we started off uh, with a one-day event to test the water back in 2011 in november and it went down so very well with the people in in the north of the UK, in Manchester and the surrounding counties, that nine months later, we did another. And we got Dominic Keating to attend, and the guests came, and they actually got to just, rather than see him for two minutes, it was, hey, I actually got to sit and chat with Dominic Keating. That was brilliant. And again... That one's level of popularity brought us to do another one, which will be this year in July. 
uh, Trekology 2013, which will have Garrett Wong and Chase Masterson in attendance. Come on down, have fun. Get your <laughs> 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 we are. We are. We are. I know. Like, yeah. Most of the Trekmate contingency will be in attendance. And we look forward to it. Good. I hope you're gonna, you know, press the red carpet just for us to, you know, strut our stuff down here. Whip out for you, Em. Yeah, yeah, just whip it out. Just whip out the red carpet. We'll be good. It's all good. So, do you want to tell everybody the dates and how they can get tickets? Absolutely, absolutely. The convention is on the 27th to 28th of July. Um. Uh, in Manchester at the Truffle Hotel. You can find out more about it by visiting. Yes, I, I can't believe I'm going to say it. I, I hate it when I see this, but I'm going to have to because nobody writes letters anymore. Uh, <laughs> I will say you can find out more about it by visiting websites. Um, we have um, Trekology on Facebook. We have a Facebook page called Trekology. We have the www.trekology.org you will be able to see past events, photographs, imagery and learn about the event itself or you can visit www.theussfortitude that's my ship, that's the group that does it and don't forget the at the beginning www.theussfortitude.com and that will enable you to see all the events we're doing which uh, is more than Trichology. We've got Dawn of the Federation, um, which is in two weeks' time, which is a promotion for all the fan clubs and fans of Star Trek around the UK to come together at the National Space Centre in Leicester to celebrate it. And then we'll have Trichology in July. Laura's not stopped giggling since he switched on. (laughs) Starstruck. We're starstruck. You're a liar, but it's okay. I like the sound of it. <laughs> You're a liar, but I love it anyway. Yes, yes, I'm going to let you lie. Please lie to me some more. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd like to thank you again, Ralas, for coming on um, and speaking to us. Uh, um, we hope that all our listeners will be coming um, along to Trekology and join us for a good old knees up. I look forward and... to seeing you all there. Yes, <laughs> and we look forward to seeing you. Um, and for all those people who don't know you, Rallis, can you tell us um, where we can find you um, uh, on Twitter, etc.? Of course. If anybody wants to actually um, uh, send me a message or anything, I have Rollis Davis on Facebook. Just load it up. It'll be in brackets, Trekologist. That lovely thing girls love to hear. I uh, tell <laughs> it just makes every woman weak at the knees. Yes, really. Um yes. Facebook, my Facebook page is Wallace Davis on Facebook or um, Wallace Davis at Twitter. Um, I, I, you know, Twitter is such a pain in the. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I should use it a lot more than I do, but I, I really don't because, to be perfectly honest, I don't see myself as that famous, and I can't imagine anybody would have really liked to know that I woke up and had toast in the morning. You know, well, it, I'd it's. I'd love to know. I'd love to know. And then the day you have Weetabix, I'm going to be all over Twitter. I'll be retweeting oh, yeah. it. I'll be favoriting it. It'll be great. You know what? I'm actually right. You know what? Loving my lucky charms. That's I it. Like that. <laughs> I love. I love massive heaped bowl of lucky charms in the morning. Yes, but no. Who, who wants to know that stuff? But anyway. Um, yes. 
But if you want to know that, that's where you can find him. Rollers Davis at Twitter, uh, or however the hell it works, at Rollers Davis. Uh, you know, is that it? Is that it? At Rollers Yeah. There you go. Yeah, damn thing. Or seek me out, Rollers Davis, at Facebook, you know, so that's where I am. So, Laura, if somebody wants to um, find you, where can they find you? As always, you can find me at Janeway931 on Twitter um, and also on the Trekmate family website, um, writing articles, etc. stuff like that. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. And if you want to look for me, you can find me on Twitter at Emma Whitaker. And you can also find me at Previously Alpha, which is a enterprise podcast. We will review each episode of Enterprise from start to finish. And we are in the middle, or just coming up to the middle of season two at the moment. So that's where you can find me normally. Um, and if you like the episode that you heard today, you can go on to forum.trekmatefamily.com and you can leave us a nice comment on the forum. But be very kind because we're not used to this hosting main show business, are we, Laura? No, no, but it's been very fun, hasn't it? It has been very fun. It has been very fun. We've had a very, very wide range of guests. Mm. So, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, and also um, I just need to uh, mention that if you go on iTunes, you can give us a five-star review if you'd like to and say that me and Emma are also on TrekMate. Oh, yeah, yeah, and say that it was the best TrekMate show you've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Now, would you like to sign off the show for us? Thank you, ladies, and for everybody, all the other ladies out there in radio and TV land, that was Trekmate. Good night. <laughs> all hands on deck. Red alert. Bloopers approaching after the end music. Visit trekmate.org.uk and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. Don't worry. We will get to the bottom of this. All right. Ask is a tall ship and a... I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? What do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Of the main show. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> this is going to be epic. <laughs> it's be an epic pain in the ass to edit. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> As you may or may not know, I'm, I'm not really into Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I know. I, I, it, comes, it comes across like I know everything, but trust me. <laughs> Say that again, Emma. Sorry. Because <laughs> I went, he's so hot. She's in the middle of it. Sorry. <laughs>
during it's the 24th century you put you during sure? the 23rd <laughs> century. Sure. no no just put during the 20th I, I didn't put anything wikipedia put it it's the 24th century <laughs> you tell wikipedia oh. right all I'm doing is copy and paste in don't you worry I will And I was just like, oh my god! I had I went out for dinner with a friend, and mm-hmm. um, and we were sitting at the table, and he was like, he said, oh, it's fine, I'm, you know, I'll I'll buy the dinner. I was like, okay, that's fine, whatever. So I'm just, you know, because I'm just nosy about everything. So I'm just looking about the restaurant, seeing else what's going on. He takes out his wallet and he goes to pay, and then he just goes deadly quiet. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So we get our stuff and we pack up and we leave the restaurant. And he said, oh. Just when I was paying there, I took my card out of my wallet and a condom fell out oh. on the table, on the table in front of the waiter. And I was like, oh, my God. And he was like, yeah. And I was about to say, are we now going back to yours? I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Thank God you didn't, because that would have been highly embarrassing. And I was like, a part of me was like, I'm. Jerry Ryan is, I think, if- she clearly got brought into Voyager for one reason. No, no, two reasons. Sorry, two reasons. No, what's the second one? No, two, two reasons. <laughs> what? Boobies. <laughs> yeah, like I said, boobies. Two reasons. <laughs> two things. Oh, sorry. okay, sorry. <laughs> you know, it's Sunday. I'm being really slow today. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hey, Laura, come on. Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, prepare yourself. These things don't come easy. <laughs> we can't all be TV presenters, Rowles. We can't all be TV presenters. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, some of, us, some of us are born for radio. <laughs> some of us have a face for radio. <laughs> I know that. We both do. We both do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Looking good. <laughs> See, that's that thing. That's that trick. That's that trickologist charm coming out right there. Right. That's that, that's that's whapping it out right there. But you know what? <laughs> Stop saying it, whap it. <laughs> what? You, you know, it's called the Scottish charm. That's what we do up here. <laughs> Scottish charm. That's I'm not going to say anything to that. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything to that at all. Because I've heard what a kiss is. So a Scottish charm. A Scottish, yeah. yeah, the Scottish car, the, the, the Glasgow kiss comes with a Scottish charm. Right, right, okay. I really have to go up there. I really have to go up there more often. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if you ever come up here and somebody offers you a Glasgow kiss, I wouldn't take it. Well, it depends on what she looks like. I, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it. <laughs> Trust me, it'll hurt. It'll hurt. Oh. Okay. A Glasgow kiss, for all you listeners who would love to know what a Glasgow kiss is, is a headbutt. <laughs> so there you go. If you ever get a Glasgow kiss, you're basically getting a headbutt. <laughs> and that's how we court round here. That's how we, you know, oh. how we find our mate. You know how peacocks have the feathers. And that's how you they make that funny dance. <laughs> You just Glasgow kiss everyone. Yes, you just walk up and nut them and then drag them back to the cave, is exactly. that it? That's it. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> we cook them haggis and everything. It's 
It's very traditional up here. <laughs> Half go to Scotland. I am going to Scotland in October. Everything trek is is paramount, mm-hmm. and that's that's what oh paramount. <laughs> See what I did? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that was ingrained in you. It's ingrained. <laughs> On to the forums, which is forum. Trek. Oh Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, oh. just put my teeth back in, right? Hold on. Yes. <laughs> if I put together whapping it out and that noise, we've 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 pretty much got you <laughs> under ransom for a very long time. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, oh no. Okay. No. Oh, oh my god. This uh, my podcast recording for Trek Make Main Show has been very sophisticated up till now. As soon as you two get on, it's like oh, fuck. previously affecting here. Christ. Uh, really, I'll, ha- I'll have no more comments about previously podcasts tonight. I nearly done a comedian's wit in my pants. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Oh, Paul! What? It's, oh, it's that bush. For God's sake! <laughs> oh. Right.